Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? Isn't it wonderful that with all the destruction in the world and in the church, we could still have electricity and still come to each other like this? It's really, really wonderful. You know how often we don't appreciate things till they're taken away. But I truly believe they're going to be taken away from us quite soon. I don't know how, how soon soon is, but quite soon. And so um, food shortage and electricity and certain freedoms we take for granted, I think we are on the cusp. And I think evil is blanketing the world. I don't think. I know it. All we have to do is open our eyes and breathe, blanketing the world and the church at an unprecedented rate. And I think while, we, while there is time, we must learn our faith and prepare. Um, I've said for the longest time, uh, for a few years, to get your children out of school, uh, definitely out of public school and out of most Catholic schools who are no longer Catholic. I can give one example after another um, where Catholic schools are no longer Catholic and they shouldn't even have the name. And so you may say, well, it's better than a public school. I don't know. I don't know that it's better than a public school because if you send your children to Catholic school, they think they're learning Catholicism, and they're not. It better to send them to a public school where they know they're not getting Catholicism. Um, however, um, there are some people I've recently come across who send their children to public school because they say the public school is good and they speak about God and they pray. But the fact is, it is Protestant. It is Protestant teaching about God, even in a public school, Protestant prayers, um, Protestant interpretation of Scripture. If you say, well, at least it's Christian, um, I wouldn't do that if I were you, because it's heretical Christianity. It is the Christianity of the 16th century that gave up the Catholic Church, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, the papacy, um, the sacraments, confession, uh, everything that God gave to govern his sheep on earth, they gave it up. They threw it out and said that their own indwelling Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who indwells them, is the interpreter of Scripture. And so that's how we have over 40,000 Protestant denominations today, with one or two being formed every single week against one Catholic church that has stood for 2,000 years, even with the likes of us in it, even with all the scandals all the dirty laundry being spread before the world, all the heresy coming out of um, even Rome and bishops and all of that, it is still, if it were man-made, it would have split a million times, but it has not, because it is the church God founded, which he said he will lead into all truth till the end of time, and against which the gates of hell will not prevail. It is the Catholic Church. If you send your children to public school, and they are learning about a Protestant God. Um, there's only one God. If they learn of him from a Protestant perspective, 
you are ruining your children. If you are Catholic parents, you have the vocation to raise your children Catholic. That's one of the vows you took at your wedding, to raise your children in the faith, the Catholic faith, not the general Christian faith, the Catholic faith, the true Christian faith. And if you default in that, your children, when they get on their own, they will become Protestant because that's how they are being influenced. It is not merely a doctrinal uh, difference. It is a way of seeing. It's a way of thinking. And you know at home, from the moment that a woman is pregnant, she's homeschooling her children for nine months of that pregnancy. She is homeschooling her children. And when that baby is born, that baby is baptized, raised in a Catholic home, let's say the ideal situation, been taught prayers, been taught Catholic thinking, uh, been taught the sign of the cross and what it means, uh, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, taught to love the mother that gave us the Savior, all of that. And all of a sudden, when they reach kindergarten age, the parents throw them out to the wolves, to the world. And the Catholic faith is gone. Even if it's Catholic, it's not going to be the Catholic faith of your home. Why would you throw them out? Why would you not continue to teach them? Why, when they reach age four, five, six, or seven, do they need to be taught by the world, who is not you? The world does not have the vocation to raise your children. There is no teacher in a school who will do what a mother can do. And the child needs his or her mother and father, both. So you are given the task of raising your children, dear parents. It is not the church who's given that task. It is not the schools. It is you, as parents, who are given the task to homeschool your children. And no matter what you have done or failed to do, if you don't turn around now and save your children from this world, um, you will lose them to the devil. And it will not be the church's fault or the school's fault. Absolutely not. Your children come home and say, Mommy, you know, teacher taught us today that um, in kindergarten, we need to decide if we're a girl or boy. In Catholic schools, in kindergarten, yes, yes, yes. Um, you say, well, I don't let my children, don't do that. They go to even a public school is better than that. And my children, do they wear uh, skirts halfway up their thighs? Are they immodest? How's the language? How's the behavior? How are the morals? And what are they learning? Do they have sex education? It does not belong in the schools. It does not. Parents, that is your obligation. Some years ago, I read an article by Father John Harden on home education and the survival of the Catholic family. Now, you know, perhaps you know, that Father John Harden is now up for canonization. His work is outstanding. It was John Paul II, the Holy Father, who sent him to teach Mother Teresa's Order of Sisters, and from that teaching he wrote a catechism. He is absolutely outstanding. His website is titled therealpresence.org. You can find anything that's worthy on that website. He said in a talk he gave once, there are some topics that are meant to startle the audience to attention, like clever ads in the newspapers or magazines. 
you say something bizarre to catch the reader's notice. But the title of the ad does not really mean what the words are saying. And this is not the case here, he says. The full title of my talk to you would read, Home Education is Necessary for the Survival of the Catholic Family. Beloved, God established the Catholic family beginning with Adam and Eve to bring salvation to the world and through whom the Messiah would come, the Savior of the world. The the family, the Catholic family, the universal family that God established to keep his laws is the key of civilization, is the cell of civilization. Without the family, there's no civilization. Without the Catholic family, there's no morality. No God's morality, no. The survival of the family is necessary for the survival of civilization. Without the survival of the Catholic family, there is no survival of the family. Absolutely none. And home education is not a good idea, beloved. It's necessary. And you could laugh at this. You could say, Mother, you've been harping on this for the longest time. My children are going to school. We're raising them. They're just fine. It's not a problem. They know the difference between what's Catholic and not. Um, Can you see Mary and Joseph sending our Lord out to a public school to those who have left the old, they were born under the old covenant, and they kept it perfectly. Can you see them sending Jesus out to uh, the Jews of that day who didn't keep the covenant, who didn't keep the laws, who thought they could do it their own way? Could you see them doing that? Would they have completely abandoned God and their vocation? That's what you do as Catholic parents when you send your children to school. You are given the vocation of raising them in the Catholic faith, not turning them over to the world. There are good Catholic schools, but they are rare. They are absolutely rare. And if they are good and they stick to the faith and they are modest, I met someone this weekend, a teacher in a Catholic school, and uh, her, her skirt was halfway up her thighs. And she was telling me that she teaches in a good, solid Catholic school. I wouldn't let her in the door in that dress. I wouldn't let her before any children. I wouldn't let her out in public. Then someone else came by in tights, what used to be underwear. I wouldn't let anyone in the door of a church or a school or any public place dressed like that. Mother, but this is the time we're in. Well, it is. That's why you need to be Catholic, fully Catholic, and protect your children and not let them, not let the world take over their thinking, but let them affect the world. Let them be witnesses to the God who came and died for them and rose from the dead to give them life. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll be right back after the break. You're welcome to call in or email or text with anything on your heart. Regina Janet. 
words from Pope Pius XII's encyclical letter, Ad Celi Reginam. Let all, therefore, try to approach with greater trust the throne of grace and mercy of our Queen and Mother, and beg for strength in adversity, light in darkness, consolation in sorrow. Above all, let them strive to free themselves from the slavery of sin and offer an unceasing homage filled with filial loyalty to their queenly mother. Let churches be thronged by the faithful, her feast days honored. May the beads of the rosary be in the hands of all. May Christians gather in small numbers and large to sing her praises in churches, in homes, in hospitals, in prisons. May Mary's name be held in highest reverence, a name sweeter than honey and more precious than jewels. All according to their state should strive to bring alive the wondrous virtues of our heavenly queen and most loving mother through constant effort of mind and manner. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is Jesse Romero, host of Jesus 911, heard weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm joined each day by a variety of co-hosts like Ruben Nava, Paul Clay, Dan Schneider, and my amazing wife, Anita Romero. We tackle Catholic devotions, spiritual warfare, family life, saving America, and everything in between. Join us each weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Jesus 911. You can also catch a bonus encore Saturdays at noon Eastern. God bless you. Keep the faith. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, uh, I mentioned earlier, just before the break, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. Before we go back to Father Hardin's uh, writing on the uh, survival of the Catholic family and the necessity of homeschooling, we have a call from Sherry in Canada. Hi, Sherry. Hi. How are you doing, Mother? I'm doing great. Did you call in with a question? I did. I called about, I went away out of town to visit family, and it was Saturday and Sunday. So basically, my question is, I I was looking for a church, but I don't drive. I was with family. And what do you do? Is that, like, what do you do when you're away from from home and it's the weekend? Like, you're not supposed to miss Sunday. So, you know, now I'm going to confession. Okay. Um, what I do if I'm going out of town, and I know I'll be out of town Sunday, is before I leave, I search for a Catholic church uh, closest to where I'll be. Um, and if I don't drive, uh, I would ask the people that I'm with if they would take me. So I have it all planned in advance. Um, once I was out of town, and whoever I was with was not able to take me, and I called a taxi, and it was a half hour away, but I, I invested in that. So 
um, that's what I would do, Sherry. And so if, if it's not what you did and you simply missed Mass, then going to confession is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank You're you, welcome, Mother. sweetheart. You're welcome, honey. You're welcome. Um, we'll go back now to uh, home education and the survival of the Catholic family. Um, and Father Hardin says, number one, what three points he makes uh, questions he answers what is home education why is home education necessary not a good idea not important necessary for the survival of the catholic family and thirdly how is home education to be provided not only for the survival but for the progress of the catholic family as we enter the 21st century now you can already see this was probably written 50 years ago. Home education, Father says, is the development by the parents of the whole personality of a child from infancy to adulthood. Dear ones, this is so important. God has given you the child. Could you see Mary and Joseph turning their child, Jesus, over to the world? No way. God has formed that little person in the womb of its mother. And mom and dad, you have the vocation to raise that child and form it, not to turn it over to anyone else. It is education because it draws out, um, the Latin word is educare. It is education because it draws out the natural and supernatural potentialities of a person. This is homeschooling. Some of these potentialities are latent in a child from conception and birth. Others are present from the time of baptism. The parent's primary duty is to cooperate with God as author of nature and grace. God is the author of nature and grace but the parents cooperate with him to draw out the latent powers in the child whom they brought into the world. It is home education twice over. It is first of all home education because it is done by the parents, without whom there would be no home. It is secondly done at home within the ambit of what we commonly identify as our domicile, Notice, I prefer to speak of home education rather than home schooling. This is to emphasize the domestic personal character of the education rather than its institutional structure. When I, Father Hardin says, when I speak of home education by both parents, I mean both parents and not only by the mother. It may be that time-wise, the mother devotes more time to the training of her children than the father. No matter, what is important is that both mother and father are involved. There is a contribution to the children's upbringing that having a miracle, only the father can provide. His share in the education of the children is imperative. Moreover, Home education does not absolutely exclude all other forms or sources of teaching the children, but in every case, and I mean every case, Father Hardin says, the home is the primary source. All other or any other educational agents or agencies are second to the home, 
auxiliary to the home, dependent on the home, subordinate to the home, and chosen by the parents and meant to be helpful, never competitive with the home. Do you recall certain parents going to the government uh, complaining because they're not the t- they went to public schools, the teacher won't even allow them to see the curriculum, and uh, they wanted to opt their children out of certain classes, and they went to a meeting of the school board, board and the government called, the, called these parents terrorists. They have no right to have any say in the children's education by the school. Why are you surprised? You've turned your children over to a secular, evil world. What is the span of home education, Father asks? It is the whole personal and social life of the child. It is the bodily and spiritual well-being of the child. It is the physical, emotional, mental, and volitional life of the child. I tell you, beloved, I have met homeschooling children, uh, children who have been homeschooled. We live with them now, um, beautiful family, uh, the family and their children and grandchildren who have given us 10 acres of their uh, 70. Um, I've never met such beautiful, well-formed, intelligent, behaved, independent thinking, honoring children. They're magnificent and they're homeschooled. That's why. They're not socially depraved. They're not not with it. They're more clued in than any child in a public school. Why home education, Father asks. In stating my thesis, he says, I might have said many things like home education is helpful for the family or home education is a valuable asset for the family or home education is a powerful aid for the Catholic family or home education is all but necessary for the Catholic family. Each of these titles would have been true, but inadequate. Instead, I chose to speak on home education is necessary for the survival of the Catholic family. Why this title? Because it is literally true. Let me be clear, Father says. I am not merely saying that home education is necessary in the modern world. This is not a conditional necessity. It is not just because the modern world has become so widely and deeply secularized that home education has become a necessity. No. I make bold to say that one of the main factors contributing to the secularization of once strongly Christian cultures has been the neglect of sound, orthodox, authentic, courageous, magisterial, historic, Catholic teaching in faith and morals by parents in the home from the dawn of the infancy of their children. I'm going to repeat that sentence. You will not get this in a public school. You will not get this in a Protestant school. And you will rarely, rarely, rarely get this in a so-called Catholic school. And it doesn't matter how wonderful the Catholic school is. They are not the parents of your children. No, Father says, I make bold to say that one of the main factors contributing to the secularization of once strongly Christian cultures has been the neglect of sound, orthodox, authentic, courageous, 
magisterial, historic, Catholic teaching in faith and morals by parents in the home from the dawn of the infancy of their children. The issue we are addressing is perennial. Either Catholic parents provide their offspring with the education the children need, or the inevitable happens as it has happened. Our main focus here is on why. Why are parents so necessary for the proper education of their children and the corresponding survival of the Catholic family? The reason is really a cluster of reasons, all derived from what we know about human nature and divine grace. I don't know, we will not have a lot of time to get through those reasons today. We'll continue with them tomorrow. Why are parents so necessary for the proper education of their children and the corresponding survival of the Catholic family? Why, beloved? It's not only that parents are necessary because God has put, given those children to those parents and those parents to those children to raise them, not to give them out to the world. But the tragedy today is that parents, Catholic parents, have stopped parenting. They have stopped parenting. I I go to Latin parishes wherever I can, and I see young people walking in with tight clothing, sleeveless, skirts up to their thighs, jeans, thongs, parents wearing the same clothing, There's nothing Catholic about any of that. You have bought into the world yourself, and you're allowing your children to do it, and you're dressing like them. There's nothing Catholic about that. Posture, speech, dress, modesty, your, all of that informs the world what you believe. Father Hardin says, we are what we have received. The first reason that Catholic parents are so necessary for the proper education of their children and the survival of the Catholic family is that we are what we have received. The first reason is the mysterious law of interdependence. We depend on others for whatever we possess. And this applies, first of all, to our physical nature. Only human beings can reproduce other human beings. This reproduction is not only bodily, but also mental and volitional. What do we know that someone else has not taught us? And what do we love except what others have helped us to choose and appreciate? Shame on you, parents. If you dress your children like the world and send them off to school because everyone's doing it, because they want to be popular, and because you are afraid to keep strict rules and morals, and you'd rather ruin your children than be unpopular with them. This is a tragedy. Is it the children's fault? Of course not. It's the parents' fault. We'll be right back, dear ones, after the break, and we'll have a half hour all to ourselves for your calls, your texts, your emails. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for September 26th. Today we celebrate Saints Cosmas and Damien. Since perhaps as early as the 6th century, Catholics have heard the names of today's saints in the Eucharistic prayer of the Mass. Still, we know little about Cosmas and Damien, other than that they suffered martyrdom in Syria. This was probably in the early part of the 4th century, when Christians who openly professed their faith did so at great risk. For making no secret of their faith, indeed, for seeking to pass it on, they were beheaded. According to legend, Cosmas and Damien were twin brothers born in Arabia who became skilled doctors. They have long been venerated as the moneyless ones because, as the story goes, they did not charge a fee for their services. Cosmas and Damien are the patron saints of members of the medical profession. Many healing miracles have been attributed to them. After a church erected on the site of their burial place was enlarged, devotion to the two saints spread rapidly in both east and west. In the 5th century, a famous basilica was erected in their honor in Constantinople and another in Rome in the 6th century. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have a whole half hour to ourselves We'll continue the article with Father Hardin on the necessity of homeschooling for the survival of the Catholic family uh, tomorrow, God willing. Um, and we'll take your calls, your emails, your texts now. Again, toll-free with anything at all on your heart. The toll-free number to call or text is one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We have Ron on the line from Syracuse. Hello, Ron. Well, good morning, Mother. Good morning, nice dear. Nice to talk to you again. Thank and, uh, you for calling Mother, in, Ron. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Mother, uh, a communion service. Uh, if the priests are all gone on retreat, or they, they're at some meeting a couple times a year, and there's no priest, if a deacon is up there having a communion service, is it all right to see communion from him or... And sometimes it's a lay person up there. I just wonder what what's uh, proper on that. It's not proper. No one but the consecrated hands of a priest should touch that host and distribute that host. Oh, so no even one. a deacon? Uh, not yeah, even a deacon. Yeah. Not even wow. a deacon. This, these are the words of Bishop Athanasius Snyder, um, and it's the church teaching. No one but the consecrated hands of a priest should touch uh-huh. that host 
and distribute that host. Um, end of story. That yeah. should not happen. The people, if the priest is gone, um, uh, the people should go to the nearest Catholic church if they can. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah, there's not even somebody at another church because all the priests are gone in this diocese. Yeah, and you have to do without Mass. I don't understand why, I know that happens, I've experienced it in several dioceses, why all the priests would go on retreat together and leave no priests to celebrate Mass or distribute communion. I don't understand that. Uh, There could be, you know, half the priests uh, one time and the other half the other time. There could always be someone to distribute communion, retired priests. It could always be worked out. Uh, why that happens, I, I think, is a tragedy. You know, there are emergencies. There are um, sometimes, you know, emergency confessions to be had. I, I don't understand that arrangement at all. It's, it's, it's secular, uh, you know, like a company going on a retreat for a year, for a week. I don't understand it in the priesthood. Um, in any case, Ron... Uh, in, in my understanding and what's been said, only the sacred hands, consecrated hands of a priest, not even a deacon, should touch that consecrated host. Well, if Mother, I may be so off subject, but a uh, retired priest, some of them I see uh, in our diocese are retired, but, you know, they're healthy. They just want to retire. And I think of Padre Pio, the day he died, he's still doing uh, holy sacrifice. I know. I don't understand it either. I do not understand retired priests, retired bishops at 75, you've got to turn in your retirement. I don't understand that myself. I, I think we become like the world. I can't imagine the first disciples, the first successors of the apostles retiring at age 75. Moses never retired. No one of God's servants ever retired. I just think we have given in to the world. I do not understand it. Yeah, and they're living pretty good. It is a little bit recluse. Well, in fact, you're right. In fact, you are right. In many cases, you are right. Now, if a priest is sickly and he's uh, he cannot continue physically, well, my goodness, of course, he needs to be taken care of. But the uh, thought of retirement, um, I, I personally do not understand it. You remain a priest forever, and a priest after the order of our high priest, who does not retire. So, Ron, no one's ever brought this up before, but I don't understand it either. I don't understand it either. I don't understand many things that happen in the priesthood, uh, but they didn't used to happen. Uh, I just think we've given in to the world and look like the world today. Yeah, 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 yeah. A priest goes on vacation and he wears sports clothes. It grieves me no end that any priest would ever be seen outside his clerics yeah. or not want to be seen with his clerics for fear someone would uh, talk to him or ask him for confession or do something like that. It grieves me no end. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, it bothers me too a lot, uh, mm-hmm. Mother. So. But thank you for helping me and straightening this out. I appreciate it, Mother. Thank yeah, you very thanks, much. Thanks, Ron. We need to stick together with our heart. So God bless you, dear brother. Thank you, Mother. Thank you, honey. Um, We have an email from Joan who says, Dear Mother, my daughter, raised in the Catholic faith, is married to a man whose father was Jewish. His mother is Russian and practices no religion. My son-in-law does celebrate the holy days of the Jewish faith in their home with a menorah, etc. 
exposing the children to his heritage. Now, I'm just going to stop through this email to say that's a great thing to do because Jewish heritage is Catholic heritage. We need to know where everything's come from. Um, uh, If that were the case, that would be good. Um, The family does celebrate Christian holidays, but in a secular manner, that's no good. My daughter is quite liberal, and despite attending Catholic schools through her college graduation, does not practice the Catholic faith. Now, if you've tuned in to the beginning of this program, um, there is, not only is there no guarantee that someone who has gone to Catholic schools through graduation, especially through college graduation, that there is no guarantee that that person, that young person will be Catholic. There's almost a guarantee that they will not be Catholic. And I I can't judge in this case because I don't know you or your daughter or what, how you lived your Catholic faith at home. Um, uh, Let me just see for a second here. Okay, Joan goes on to say she has many disagreements with Catholicism. She probably never understood the faith to begin with. You could say you taught it, you lived, I don't know, but she, if she has disagreements with it, she never understood it. She has many disagreements with Catholicism and has expressed her repulsion of the sexual abuse perpetrated by priests and the hierarchy. Well, that's very uh, understandable. We're all repulsed by that. But we don't leave Jesus for Judas. We don't leave Jesus Jesus because Judas was a traitor. And she says, I wonder, she will never, I worry she will never return to the faith or expose her children to the faith she was raised with. Well, I don't know how she was raised with it. I don't know to what degree. I don't know what her schools taught. I don't know what your home practice was. So... Um, the fact that she was raised with, I cannot judge that. I don't know that. Um, And so, um, I'm sorry, sweetheart, I keep... Joan asks, how much can one do about an adult child's rejection of organized religion? You're calling the Catholic Church organized religion. That's okay. But when people say organized religion, who are not Catholic, they usually mean man-made. There's no religion more organized than Judaism, the Judaism God gave. There is no, you read the book of Leviticus, hundreds and hundreds of laws, how to wash, how to this, how to that, how to bathe. There's no more organized religion than Judaism, and Christianity, true Christianity, which is Catholicism, is Judaism fulfilled in its Messiah and spread to the four corners of the world. Joan says, I do believe she recognizes God, but I worry about her belief in his son, giving her husbands being raised by a Jewish father. How much should I intervene? And how would you suggest I broach the conversation? Joan, I don't know this because, again, I don't know what your practice was at home. I don't know how she was raised at home. Uh, given the fact that she was brought up by the school system, even the Catholic school system. I I cannot judge that. The fact that you call the Catholic Church organized religion, I'm guessing you've called it that because she has called it that. 
Joan says she is a bright, well-read woman who is also into just being kind philosophy. I'm interested in your view on this type of dilemma. Thanks, Joan. Joan, um, I, I am at a loss to answer you because I do not know uh, the the family she grew up in. When you say she was raised Catholic, I don't know if... Uh, church, all of that. I, I just don't know that. I don't know your relationship with her concerning her Catholic faith. I don't know what your conversation was with her before she married outside the faith. That was the time to have... Um, talk to her about the faith that she has utterly rejected. Um, I'm going to guess she was not married in the Catholic Church. If she was, she's breaking her marriage vows. There's so much involved here. Um, uh, What I would do then is start by their current situation. You can't go back. The current situation is that the children are getting more Judaism than Christianity, and certainly not they're getting. They're certainly not getting Catholicism, um, and so it's a secular home all the way around. Um, but the force is more Jewish than Christian. I would get a book called. Um, uh, Honey from the Rock, H-O-N-E-Y, Honey from the Rock. The editor is Roy Showman. Roy Showman was an Orthodox Jew who is now an Orthodox Catholic. He's very faithful Catholic, s- speaks all over the world. And he edited Honey from the Rock. It's the story of 16 Jews who entered the Catholic Church believing it was in the rejection of Catholicism, the rejection of Judaism, rather, but it's full reception and fulfillment. So if you could get a book, Joan, called Honey from the Rock and read it yourself. And then um, Christmas is coming up. It's now the the new year. It's it's Rosh Hashanah. Today is um, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah. Uh, The air of Rosh Hashanah was last night. um, It's the new year. Um, The Jewish people are celebrating that. Um, but you can get it for Hanukkah um, coming up. Uh, and uh, look up the dates of Hanukkah in December, and you will um, have time between now and Hanukkah to read it yourself. And then you could give it as a Hanukkah present to your daughter and son-in-law and say, I, I, um, or uh, say, I'm giving this to you, and I'm going to ask you to read it as my Christmas gift. Give it to them at Hanukkah and say, my request is that you would read this book as your Christmas gift to me. I don't ask for any other Christmas gift, but that you read this book. Let them read it and say, you know, yes, I want you to be Catholic. These, to be right up front with them. These are Jewish people who believe that the most Jewish you could be is to be Catholic, that there's not a contradiction between the two, that Christianity is its fulfillment. So see if they'll do it and say, I truly with, Mom, you're trying to convert us. Oh, yes, of course I am. But only God can do that. And the only thing I ask of you is that you read this book. Let me know what you think. Don't keep it. Give it back to me. No problem. See if they'll do that. And be kind when you tell them that. Okay. Um, we have an email from Janice who says, um, 
Dear Mother Miriam, where do Catholics find the interpretation of Bible passages? One can spend all day on the Internet looking for an answer, a Catholic answer. Catholic Answers doesn't have all the answers. What are seminarians taught and novices? And what is the source of that teaching? Surely they must use the same teaching books and resources and go through the Bible verse by verse to study it. What is used is the interpretation. Don't assume those things. Don't assume that they go through the Bible verse by verse uh, to study it. This is quite um, um, a recent phenomenon. I'll tell you why when we come back from the, from the break. Uh, we'll have uh, 10 minutes left. And again, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back. is fascinating, mysterious, complex, and potentially dangerous. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're hosting a new show Saturdays on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. We'll help you uncover some of the mysteries and answer your questions about angels, demons, eternal life, and how the spiritual and the physical worlds interact. Join us for The Spirit World every Saturday at 11 a.m. right here on the Station of the Cross. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. listening to the station of the cross on your car radio but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area never miss another minute of your favorite show download the iCatholic radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day the iCatholic radio app is available for your phone in the apple store or for your android phone in google play visit the station of the for more information I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That verse shattered me. I stopped everyone on the street, Jim. I said, excuse me, do you know there's a God? Do you know you can know Him? I wanted a ladder tall enough to reach the moon to tell the world that there's a Savior. That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome Our toll-free 1-877-511-5483. Uh, J- um, James, are we on the air? 
Oh, okay, very good. Sorry, I heard a funny noise on this end and wasn't sure. Um, uh, we're on an email from um, Janice, and I'll just repeat her first point. She says, where do Catholics find the interpretation of Bible passages? One can spend all day on the Internet looking for an answer, a Catholic answer. Catholic Answers doesn't have all the answer, because uh, I often refer people to Catholic.com. Nobody has all the answers. Um, what are seminarians? I mean, their, their website would have to be, uh, the world couldn't contain it, like Jesus said, if it had all the answers written. What are seminarians taught and novices? And what is the source of that teaching? Surely they must use the same teaching books, resources, and go through the Bible verse by verse and study it. Not necessarily. What is used as the interpretation? You know, the scriptures, dear one, they are love letters to us, God's love letter. And all the letters written by Paul to the churches. 13 of the New Testament um, books are letters that Paul wrote to the churches, and four of them are Gospels, and Acts is a history book, and I mean, if you, if, if you wrote a letter to your, or even a pastor today, a priest wrote a letter uh, to the church, to his people, he was away and he wrote a letter to his people to tell them how to live and how to behave and what to study. They're not going to sit down and go through line by line interpretation, word by word. Inter they're not. They're going to take the letter and understand its meaning in the context of the, um, the culture and the time in which it's written. That's what is so important about the interpretation of Scripture, that it was read. through whom God wrote it, the apostles and the prophets of the old, of old. And so uh, we need to understand who wrote it and to whom the culture of their time and to study that. So uh, Lexio Divina is not, I read the scripture and then it's what it means to me. No, read the scripture, understand and study what it means, first of all, then make the application. There's only one meaning, but there are many applications. And how are you going to apply it to you unless you know what was meant first by what was said? No, seminarians are not all taught the same thing, are not used, all used uh, the same resources. Number three, she asks, what is the magisterium other than the catechism? Magisterium is the teaching office of the church. That's what magisterium means, magister, teacher. What I'm hearing, I don't know from whom you're hearing, dear one, is other than the catechism and the Pope's perspective on certain issues, the Holy Ghost is the only source of inspiration slash interpretation. There's three sources of the government of the church, the magisterium, Holy Scripture, and sacred tradition. Three, the Catholic answers address this very question um, um, uh, it, it's too much to go on what she says here. Minus the fact that the Protestant Bible is missing certain writings, I don't really see any difference between a Catholic interpreting the Bible and a Protestant. Oh, there's a great deal of difference. 
meaning sola scriptura. If the Holy Spirit is the main source of interpretation, or whoever they've been listening to or studying from, of course Protestants have generally gone to Sunday school and learned their interpretation on and on. Many, many thanks, Mother. Much respect and admiration for you. God love you, Mother Miriam. Oh, dear. Janice, there's so much that you've written and um, uh, some confusion in here. If you want to know how the Catholic Church uh, reads and interprets the scriptures, you need to go to the early church fathers who got the scriptures from the apostles and disciples. Uh, Polycarp was discipled by John, the evangelist. And you can do that. Uh, There are books on the early church fathers. Go back to Catholic.com. Go back to Catholic Answers and type in early church teaching or early church fathers. There's a three-volume set, Faith of the Early Fathers, volumes one, two, and three. There is so much on what the early church believed, hundreds of books, how they interpreted scripture, and what it means. There's a... uh, wonderful uh, series today called the Navari uh, Bible, and it is uh, several volumes, um, Old Testament and New, and they, um, it's, it's quite a devotional work, they use the Revised Standard Version of Scripture, the full Bible, and um, they put half every page about our quotes from the early church fathers, and, and what the scripture means, uh, and application for it. There's also a very wonderful uh, one-volume work. I think it's out of print. Um, oh, my goodness. I have it, and I don't have it with me at the moment. Uh, I don't know if it's the Oxford. It's a one-volume. I think it's simply called the Catholic Commentary, and it's by... Uh, Bernard Orchard, that's who it is, Bernard Orchard, O-R-C-H-A-R-D, convert to the Catholic Church, and it's a commentary on the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Um, It's very, very trustworthy. Um, Take a look at that, and you'll see what the early church fathers, and all through history, how the Bible has been interpreted. Um, they will be very helpful. I hope that helps you somewhat, but it's not simply the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit speaks through men. Um, uh, And so if you say the Holy Spirit interprets the Scripture, through whom? Anybody? Like Luther said, he's his own interpreter, and threw out seven-plus books of the Bible. So no, no. The Holy Spirit is the teacher, It was the Holy Spirit who wrote the scriptures through men, moved by God. Um, And it's the Holy Spirit, again, who interprets the scripture for his sheep, for his people, through men, anointed by God. Just as um, the Holy Spirit brought together uh, bishops and popes of the Catholic Church to determine in the 4th and 5th centuries the canon of scripture. Janice, I hope somehow that's helped you. If you go back to catholic.com and you look at their, and go to their shop and type in interpretation of scripture or early church teachings uh, on scripture, you'll get wonderful books, not written by Catholic Answers, but by um, the early church fathers, and I think it will help. 
um, we have a, a call from Dennis in Worcester. Is that Worcester, Massachusetts? Yes. Uh, in the past, I had sp- spoken to you. Uh, I Mother remember Lord. you, Let Dennis. Yes. Well, let me tell you one thing. I'm a daily. If if I go to church, I'm on my knee. I receive communion only on my tongue. Us too. Anyway, I had a, a horrible experience in Wells, Maine. I won't. I, I don't have to mention the name of the church, but I was told to talk to the bishop in that area. What happened to me? I knew immediately that the priest in this particular church was not devout the way he should be. Anyway, I waited till everybody received on their hands so I wouldn't be interrupting in between people, which I angled myself from the back of the church. Full mass, by the way, nine in the morning on a Sunday, naturally. I approach him and I hit my my knee goes to the floor and he starts mimicking to put it in my hand. I said, on my tongue. Very, very humbly. Me. Dennis, sweetheart, you can see we have three seconds left. It's the end of the program. Shame on that priest. Call in again tomorrow if you can, honey. All right, we'll speak with you all tomorrow.